So summer is in full swing, and if you happen to go to Humble ISD, uh, it's coming to a close really quickly. Uh, it's a short summer for our students. But, you know, the exciting thing is people are starting to actually go on vacation again. How delightful is that? My wife and I got a couple of days away, and it was great. So I thought it might be kind of fun for us to take a look at how we might use vacation to help us connect with God, to help us sort of take a look at how God is working in our lives. So we're starting this new three-part sermon series called uh, Vacation. It's a biblical concept. And rest is, in fact, a biblical concept. Rest is something that we need on a regular basis. So it really all starts at creation, right? The book of Genesis. God creates and then God rests. So here are these from Genesis, the second chapter. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Well, even God needed rest. So if it's good enough for God, it's good enough for us. I mean, really and truly, we are made to work. Now, I understand some of us have jobs, and our jobs may not be so satisfying, but we are, in fact, created to work. We are also created to rest. And if God needs rest, don't you think that we might need some rest? And so, vacation is what we're talking about. What, what can we do on vacation? Now look, I'm not just talking about going to uh, the all-inclusive Dominican Republic place and sitting around and just drinking pina coladas on the beach. I mean, that could be great. Uh, but I'm not talking about a vacation where we're necessarily spending a whole lot of money. I'm talking about a vacation where we're doing things deliberately to build family, to take time to rest, to take time to evaluate your life and your time that you're spending with God and your family. So I'll give you an example from my life. For 10 years in a row, we took our whole family to Estes Park, Colorado. We went there because it wasn't hot most of the time, and there was a YMCA camp that was there, and so we could enroll our kids in YMCA camp, day camp, and so they could go for a couple of two or three days while we were there, and so we could have some adult time. Uh, but we also did lots of things with family. Um, our family doesn't get together that we don't, at some point over a Christmas holiday or something, tell stories about our 10 different years that we spent uh, going to Estes Park. I mean, we talk about the fact that when Gracie was first born, uh, her porta crib fit perfectly inside the closet. And Gracie slept inside the closet with the door open most of the time. 
my, my children fondly remember uh, the fly fishing trips that we would go on. So I would schedule it such that with each child, once they were old enough to fly fish, with each child I would do a day trip where we would go, we'd backpack in somewhere, we'd fly fish for the day, and then we'd backpack down. So we built family memories. And my wife and I also used that vacation time to rest. We had this little cabin, it was called We Four. It was like two bedrooms, one bath. It had a little porch with a little swing on it. I wore that swing out. And there was a big Thompson River flows right by it. And so you hear it all day, all night, you hear the river gurgling. And um, we spent a lot of time just resting and reading. And one of the things that I have always done on vacation is to try to cancel out the noise of the world. With the 24-hour news cycle, the busyness of our lives, that the noise in our lives can be deafening. It can be difficult for us to be able to see where God is using us, how God is using us, where are we seeing God in our life. Sometimes the noise in our life gets so loud that we forget that we're supposed to be about God, that we're supposed to be about serving God. You know, our obligations can really keep us from resting. It can keep us from doing the things that will help make us close to God. The truth is that while we're so busy and so caught up with a 24-hour news cycle, that God is still at work in you. God is still at work through you and on you and around you. But we can let the noise of the world keep us from seeing that. I think in Scripture, I think Elijah is a great example for that. But the Scripture text we're going to look at is the still small voice text, where Elijah finds God in a cave. But I just before I read that text, I want to recount just sort of what happened with Elijah so that you can have some perspective of the mighty works that God has done through Elijah. So Elijah just appears in Scripture. We don't know much about where he comes from. His name means Yahweh is my God. At the time, Ahab, had King Ahab, had married Jezebel, and Jezebel was um, a worshiper of the god Baal. And the people of Israel had largely turned their back on God. And Elijah's job was to try to get them to come back to God. And so Elijah shows up at Ahab's castle and says, Hey, Ahab, I've been sent by God, and it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. And he leaves. And it doesn't rain. And he goes to the Wadi Cherioth. There the ravens bring him food. He doesn't have to go find it. God provides him food by having the creatures bring it to him. Well, it's a drought, 
So eventually the water runs out. And so Elijah then goes to Zarephath. And that's where we get the story of the widow, right? Elijah's sitting there and this old lady walks by and says, Hey, old lady, make me some pancakes, please. And she goes, I just had this little bit of meal in here. and I'm going to make the pancakes for me and my son and we're going to lay down and die. And he says, well, you make me a pancake first and you'll see what will happen. And this is, this is the jar that never ran out of meal. And so for the longest time, the widow and her son ate off of this jar along with Elijah. Somewhere along the way, the son dies and Elijah goes to God, hey man, why are you doing this to me? Please bring him back. And so Elijah brings this boy back from death. Then God tells Elijah, all right, go see Ahab, and we're going to have a contest. We're going to have a contest between the prophets of Baal and Elijah. And the deal was that, that Elijah told Ahab was, whosoever God consumes the sacrifice is in fact God. And so the prophets of Baal get the bull, and they kill it, and they cut it up, and they dance around and they cut themselves and do all of these things to try to entice their God with the little g, Baal, to consume the sacrifice. Some of my favorite passages in Scripture are the comments that Elijah is making to them as they're dancing around, cutting themselves, trying to get their God. My favorite one is, where is your God? Has he gone to the potty? And so it's now Elijah's turn. Elijah cuts up the bull, makes the sacrifice, puts the stones on the altar, and then he gets water and pours water all over the sacrifice. And he calls for God to come and consume this sacrifice, and fire comes from heaven, and it's all gone. The water is gone. The stones are gone. The whole sacrifice is gone. The Israelites at that point, sort of turn their hearts back towards God, and they take all the prophets of Baal out to the Wadi Kishon and kill them all. Jezebel, the queen, then sends word to Elijah, I'm going to kill you. And this sends Elijah into a tizzy. And he runs to go find God at Mount Horeb. And this is the story. At that place, he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. 
When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him and it said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So when, when God appears in Scripture, when we see God appear, it's called a theophany. And so often, God historically has appeared in wind and fire and earthquakes. It's not very often that God appears in the silence. And in this silence, Elijah encounters God. And I love this. God starts by saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? Like he ought to be somewhere else, doing something else, instead of being here in this cave with God. You know what he was doing, right? Elijah was going to find God to quit. I'm done. I mean, you see his mindset. What are you doing here? I alone am left. They're trying to kill me. Elijah is coming to God, and, and you remember that old Johnny Paycheck song? Take this job? That's what Elijah was going to do. He was going to quit. Have you ever had that experience? Have you ever said those words? I'm done. It happens. I've said those words. Mostly I took them back. But I've had those moments where I'm like, that's it. I'm done. And you know, it happens. It happens to us. It happens to us at work sometimes. It happens to preachers. I had a young preacher friend that was pretty new in the ministry, and he got assigned to a church. And I know you won't believe this, but there's mean churches out there. And they were mean. And SPR was mean. He really didn't have a friend. Not in the church. And then they got to talking bad about his wife. And he said, that's it. I'm done. And he left the ministry. Because they started attacking his wife. We have those moments in our life when we're done. Elijah had allowed the noise of his life and the noise that was in his head to keep him from remembering what God had done through him. This can happen to us. It's why we need to take vacation. It's why we need to spend time evaluating, resting. Whenever I go on vacation, I spend time first resting. Second, I spend some time evaluating the pace of my life. Am I doing what I oughta? Am I doing it well? 
Am I doing too much? And when we spent those 10 years in Estes Park, my wife and I would sit down and evaluate how we were raising our children. Are we doing too much? Are we doing too little? We would take that time to evaluate that. So that we could remember what God had done, what God was doing in our lives. And I would propose to you that Elijah made two mistakes as he lived his life at this moment. And the first was he let the noise get to him. The noise that was in his head, the fear from Jezebel having threatened him. And by the way, in that patriarchal society, to be that frightened by a threat from a woman was just sort of all that more. He let that noise in his life and in his head keep him from remembering that he was not alone, that God was with him. Not only that, that God had done all of these powerful things through him. You know, I'm a pragmatist. You know that. My favorite phrase is, it is what it is. But, but there are times for us to look backwards. I mean, I learned that as I was coaching Little League. I'd go after every game, I'd sit down, and I'd say, what did we do right? What could we do better? You don't dwell on it. You don't get stuck there. You just sort of review. And we should take the time to do that in our lives. What could I have done better? How could I have done this differently? And where was God at work in this moment in my life? We have to find a way to keep the noise out of our life so we can hear what it is that God has to say to us. I think the other mistake that Elijah made is that he was alone. It was just Elijah. Now, God was with him. We know that. But we talked about the noise was keeping him from understanding that, remembering that, that God was with him. And Elijah was all alone. We we as humans are not meant to walk the walk of faith alone. What I believe it means for us to be made in the image of God is that we are made to be in community with one another. Elijah found himself all alone. We, we as followers of Jesus need to be walking that walk with others that are walking that walk with us as well. I mean, how might this had turned out if Elijah had, say, Elisha with him at the time, and Elisha could say, hey, Elijah, before you go tell God to take that job and do whatever else with it, let me remind you what God has done through you, how God is working in your life. Might Elijah have had a, a different outcome from all of this noise that was in his life? 
You are not meant to walk the walk of discipleship alone. I I urge you to find some other fellow believer, whether it be your spouse or someone else, or all of the above, and walk together. Hold each other accountable. Remind each other how God has worked in your life. You can see where Elijah's mind was when he responds to God, right? He he walks in and God says, why are you here? Like, he should be somewhere else. And he says, they're trying to kill me. He's forgotten all that God has done for him. How about you? Have you forgotten all of the things that God has done for you? All of the ways that God has worked and is working in your life? Are you allowing the noise of your life and of this world to keep you from remembering those things? Don't be like Elijah in this case and get to the place where you say, I'm done. Rather, take time to rest. Take time to be deliberate about reviewing how God is at work in your life and how you can make it better. Find someone to walk the walk with you. As the noise in the world surrounds you, Find a quiet place. Find the time. Make the time to shut out the noise of this world that you might hear what God is calling you and wanting you to be. Rest. Find rest in the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the fact that we know that you are with us always. And Father, we know that sometimes we forget that, that we get so caught up with our life and and the importance and the speed of life that we fail to recognize you. We fail to see where you are at work. Father, turn our hearts towards you, that we might ignore the noise of the world and find you. We pray this in Jesus' holy name and all God's children said, amen.